Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we're still married. It's a wonderful episode. Beautiful Tuesday when we're recording. Today we're going to talk a little bit about, I think, something that is very apropos, given the time of year that it is, and the time of progression with this pandemic as far as church attendance goes. So today we'd like to talk about going back to church and how to handle conference. If you hear some some other sounds in the background, it's our new little dog. Katie, tell them about our new doggy. <laughs> um, it's he's a King Charles Cavalier. He's a cute dog. I almost just am not weeks. we've had him almost I'm not weeks. a dog lover. And he loves me a lot and he and Alan loves him a lot, but he doesn't seem to be returning the love to Alan. Uh, he's getting used to he's me. He's getting used to you. I I'm think... a big, scary man. You know, yeah. He's sitting in my lap right now. That's right. Okay. Enough baby talk to the dog. <laughs> Let's get right into it. You know, we are all like scratching our heads and trying to figure out what is the best way to go back to church in a way that feels authentic, in a way that honors where both me and Alan are. And I'm sure a lot of you are feeling the same way. Some people who haven't been in church for months and months and months are getting right back into it, not just every other week, but every week. And we've talked with a number of couples. Some of them really have enjoyed the break. It's like, hey, (laughs) I wouldn't choose to not go to church, but but now that we couldn't go to church for so long, it was a really nice break for our marriage, for our family. Others haven't felt that way. Others right. have said... Yeah, like I've, I've talked to a number of people who have really missed uh, being there, seeing people, the community, feeling the spirit, taking the sacrament, listening to other people. And I can, I can absolutely appreciate and understand that as well. I can understand both sides because we've all kind of been vacillating between one thing or the other during COVID. And so, you know, we wanted to talk about that as well as conference is this weekend. And this can either bring you a lot of stress you can feel excited. Some people are feeling mad. Some people are, I mean, on across the spectrum, there is an array of feelings. And we would challenge you <laughs> as we challenge ourselves to use this, you know, every six months when conference comes up, use it as, as a way of uh, giving yourselves or it, it kind of forces you into a conversation and forces you into some communication on uh, on, an, on a very predictable cadence of where are we right now? How do we want to handle conference this time? What worked last time? What didn't work last time? Uh, are, are you in the same mental space that you were last time? And I am, am I in the same mental space as last time? These are some of the conversations that Katie and I have had over the last couple of weeks uh, leading up to conference. That can be stressful in and of itself just thinking about, but it's, but really it's, it, it's these deliberate conversations where you're intentionally talking about it, that you're going to be able to start working through some of these things. Right. So it is important to reevaluate. I think that's the word you want is reevaluate every six months where you're at and what you want to get out. If anything, um, with conference and some people don't want that and that's fine. I've gone through my own evolution of conference. And if you listen back to any of the 
past episodes, you would you can see how, you know, at first I was in the space where I was holding my ground and I really wanted my kids to listen and I really wanted to be there and listen as well. So I think one of the first episodes we recorded um, was one where I watched conference and I made the kids watch conference and, and Alan was there watching conference with us, but he was on his phone the entire time texting other people about Matt, about how upset he was about things that were being said. And that wasn't the only things that were being communicated. It was, it was a, a group of like-minded people, um, the Waters of Mormon Facebook group, if anyone's familiar with it. They do a live feed. It was uh, it was fairly negative, though. It, it was, was a fairly negative experience for you. It was understandably painful for the people that were, that were in that group. They tried right. to call it some of the positive, but much of it was very difficult as well, yes. So, anyway, I'm... Like, what I'm getting at is, you know, that's where we started. And... And then, you know, the next conference came and I decided I'm not, I do not want to do that again. So I spent that conference completely avoiding uh, and asking Alan, I don't even think I wanted Alan to watch with us. I don't think he did, but that was kind of like, nope, I'm not going to have him sit here and do that when I'm trying to listen. And then the conference after that, I did a whole year of conferences where I just did not want to be at home. I didn't want to be anywhere where I had to listen or had to think about it. I wanted to be on vacation doing something something else somewhere else so my mind would be not on that. And that proved not to be super effective because uh, ultimately one of the talks that was probably the most painful talk that I had heard yet uh, was sent to me by a few different people because they wanted to know what my opinion was on it. And we were literally out of the state and we were out of the state and I listened to it and it, it was really, really hard for me. And I thought to myself, I just can't, I just can't get away from this. I just like, how am I going to be able to do this? And then last conference, you know, I kind of took the stance of I was really nervous and fearful almost because of the subject matter of the of the conference. And um, I didn't want there to be a lot of friction between Alan and I. So again, we spent the week weekends just kind of avoiding. I think we ended up listening to Sunday's um, talks, but that was about it. And there was no discussion afterward. So if you can see, I mean, I'm sure many of you have an evolution yourselves, but you know, I, I, I've kind of gone through this periods, periods of time where I'm just feel like I'm in survival mode and I'm trying to do the best I can, um, with what I'm working with. And, and also Every six months, I'm reevaluating how am I feeling? What am I wanting to get out of this? Do I just want to avoid it because I just cannot deal with it? And those are true and valid feelings that all of you have, you know, wherever you are. I am at a place today that is very different. And I, and I sat down with Alan and I said to Alan, you know, I, I want to watch conference. How did you feel when I said that? I mean, I'm fine with you wanting to watch conference. I think I was curious of what do you want? What do you want to get out of it? Like what, what's your reasoning behind wanting to watch it? Yeah. And the answer could be, well, I, I believe it and I value what the leaders say and I want to hear what they say. And that, that would be fine too. I just wanted to know. 
Right. And so where what's the space I'm in right now is I feel like I have been sufficiently healed through the last three years of going, having these ups and downs and working through a lot of uh, these internal issues about my marriage and the church. And I feel like I'm in a really healthy mind space right now. And because of that, I told Alan, you know, I would like to go into conference. I want to listen, which by the way, I haven't wanted to listen for like two years. So the fact that I am looking forward to it is really surprising to myself as well. But I have said to him, you know, I want to go into it with an open mind. I don't want negative feelings. I don't want super positive feelings. I just want an open mind to see what I can gain out of this and see what resonates with me and what, and what, um, does me good or is helpful for me. And the other stuff, I want to see how I feel when I hear it. And so really, I'm treating this conference very differently in that I'm not trying to be hypercritical. I'm not trying to be over, you know, expecting overly spiritual stimulation. I really just would like to take it for what it is and see if it serves me. If it doesn't serve me, I know that I can let some of that go. And so I feel like it's a pretty healthy mental space. I'm finally at this arrival and um, it actually feels really good to not to not to feel like I just want to turn and run and I want my kids to listen. And Alan asked why. (laughs) And the purpose of that is because I want to be very intentional. So if there's something that I, you know, that we love, I would like to pause it and say, you know, that's, this message is a really positive, good one. And if there is a message that doesn't resonate with me, or maybe I feel like is doing harm, or I don't appreciate the message. Likewise, I would like to stop it and say, hey, guys, just so you know, you know, I actually may disagree or differ in opinion from what he is saying. And this is why. So this year, definitely intentionality. We've got baseball games all day Saturday. So um, it's not like we're going to be watching Saturday, but Sunday we will be all together. And I feel like, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of in this space where I'm I'm ready to get back into it. I think I, that that's a I for me it's a positive thing. For me yeah. I can see like like my mental health is in a place where I can do that. Not everyone is. This is why I'm only speaking from my own experience. Um not everyone is there and that's fine. Yeah. I'm I'm appreciative of you first of all just telling me about it and now telling everyone else about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm appreciative of that approach as well because I think that when we talked about the the whole pause or at the end of each talk, we'll ask one of the kids like, hey, what did you agree with? What didn't you agree with? We even talked about telling when a, when a talk is about to start telling one of our kids, hey, at the end of this, we're going to ask you so that they know to pay attention so they can talk about it. Um, going that path, I think, puts a lot of trust from you into me because you're trusting that I'm not going to dogpile and trash on everything that is spoken, which I won't, but I, I feel like you're trusting me in that. 
and I appreciate that. Like that, that means a lot. I don't think that this is something you would have, well, clearly it hasn't been <laughs> like, we're now at a point where that doesn't feel like a threat to you to have a frank conversation with the kids and have them involved with it and have me involved in that conversation as well. So thank you. I think that's super healthy and I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. And for those of you listening who are just in the thick of it and who are gritting your teeth and, and not wanting to have it even playing in the background of your house, we totally get it. We have been there. We have, we have passed episodes about that experience and that anger. So, you know, one strategy you could think of is when you feel yourself getting heated, I think that that would be an important time to one, recognize that, you know, there are physiological things happening in your body to, to, to clue you in to the fact that you are not okay. And you can do things like you can take a time out. You can ask for it to be turned off for a little while. You can go outside and take a walk. You can write your feelings down. You know, in that moment when your spouse is trying to listen, but but the other spouse is maybe getting heated over it, it's usually not the best time to bark at them during the conference while it's on. Right. So Alan, what is, what are some strategies that have helped you with conference? Well, last conference, well, at the very beginning, when I was in the heat of it, those Facebook group conversations were extremely helpful, like being able to grieve with other people who were grieving. And many of them were actually more believing than me. Waters of Mormon is a believing Facebook group. It's those that their beliefs have changed, but they still want to be engaged. I don't quite fit in that group anymore. But at the time I, I did, and, uh, it was extremely helpful. So having, I'm not telling everyone to go and use their group or anything like that, but having that support group when you're in the middle of the pain is really, really important. And you've had, you've had friends that you've texted to, it hasn't yep. just been the, it hasn't the just group. been the Facebook group. It's been other people. So if, if you don't know anyone else that is in this spot, Join the Facebook group that we have. Look at that Mixed Faith Marriage map. See if there's anyone that's close to you. That's in the announcement section. I think it's still the pinned announcement right now. That's our default pin uh, for the for the group. Uh, try to find someone that you can talk to. And then as time went on, as conferences went on, last conference I can I can imagine like I didn't I didn't really want to listen to four hours on Sunday of, of all about the restoration <laughs> because that's that's what the topic was. So for much of the time. I, I was upstairs in the kitchen making the cinnamon rolls last conference, if you remember, and trying to otherwise contribute to conference weekend while trying to kind of know where my limits were when it comes to conference. I was sitting with you for, for much of it, but that was some of the things that I did is, um, think of how you can still contribute to that, how you can support your spouse who does want to watch it while also recognizing that this isn't the space that I can really be in right now. That can be difficult if your spouse is in a place where they don't quite understand that you can't watch it. And no, we always watch conference and you must not, you have to watch conference. Like those conversations can be really difficult. I, so I think that here, the, the two words that come to my mind that you should focus on is one clarification. So 
between you and your spouse, you need to clarify what the expectations of conference are. What is the wishes of both spouses? How do we negotiate both wishes? You know, maybe Saturday you don't, you don't watch it all and you go do a family activity and Sunday you, you, um, watch together. I, I don't love the polarization that some couples have of it is my way or the highway. This is a negotiation. This is a marriage. And in a marriage, you have to negotiate things. And this is one of those things you'll have to talk about. So clarification, number one. And then the second thing that I think is important is intentionality. So whatever you're going to do, be intentional about it with your kids with yourself. If you are the believer and you would really like to get something out of it and your kids are just going to be a big fat distraction, lock yourself in your room and watch it. No one says that your kids have to sit there and listen. And you are not a bad parent if you, one, force them or want them to watch, but two, more importantly, decide that it is a wash and you're just going to go listen to it yourself. That does not make you a bad parent. I don't know why, but I feel like sometimes it's easier to have other people speak permission to you. Yeah, You can do whatever is going to be helpful to you in this time. And, you know, you have children who are, we've got teenagers who are going to be not rolling their eyes, not, not wanting to listen. And that is, clearly normal. Maybe you can have it on in the background and they can be doing puzzles or whatever, and they can choose to listen or not to listen. And you can go to your room and maybe get something out of it. But whatever you do, clarify what you want and be intentional with what you want. And if that means completely avoiding it, great. You did exactly how you felt was, was whatever was best. And and at the end of it, if it doesn't feel like you made the right choice, Hey, You've got six months, it's going to come around again, and you can try to refine what you did and and take it back to the lab to try to see what comes out the other side. Yeah. The best thing is, is we get to try this over and over and over again. (laughs) No, that was stressful, just the way you said that. I know. Katie, I have to ask you. Yes. Listening to your evolution, there are those. We've got an email from actually one of the, the spouses in our workshop that we're doing that was talking about like, I don't want that change to occur in me. I can imagine that some of those at the beginning of this that are on the believing side are hearing how you have actually, you haven't transitioned, but you have shifted and things are a little different than they were for you than they were a few years ago. What would you say to those people that are like, I don't want to change like Katie's changing? That's a, I mean, that's a tough thing to drop on you. Yeah, that is a tough thing. Thanks. Jeez. Um, I think that in every marriage, there are non-negotiables. And so you have to ask yourself, what am I not willing to negotiate? For me, my marriage is very important. And my relationship with Alan is top priority. So I'm going to make my decision on what I'm not willing to negotiate based on that right? Infidelity, non-negotiable. You know, there, there are things that I think, no, not negotiable. But uh, as time passes, and as our relationship gets stronger, I realize that what I'm willing to quote, unquote, tolerate has changed, because my own feelings have changed. And 
I also think that Alan is a good model of conversation and quote unquote good behavior. If you want to say it that way, like he tells me and he shows me every day that I can trust him. So if I'm having a hard time with him drinking coffee, I know that, you know, as I see him model good behavior, I'm going to be able to put more trust in his ability to make that decision for himself, because I know that he's not going to be drinking five cups a day because he knows it's unhealthy or whatever, whatever that might be. So I think that um, at the base of it is building trust with your spouse. And then there are boundaries, there are limits, but are we willing to live with the consequences of those limits or boundaries? If I said to you, Alan, I will never, ever allow you to drink alcohol, ever. And he says, all right, well, then I feel like this is not going to work for us. This marriage is going to end. And is that me choosing alcohol over us? I don't think so. I think it's it's you having the freedom to have a choice over and if the answer, if someone listening thinks the answer is yes to that, then I mean, great. Your, your position would also be you choosing alcohol over me. Does that Th- make sense? That's like, true. You're it, making alcohol right. more important than the relationship right. by saying you can't do this. Right. And if that's my non-negotiable, well, what's the consequence? Well, that I'm not with my spouse anymore. So I, th- I think that there has to be some level of negotiation on both on both both yes. sides. I mean, this goes both ways, right? Alan, forbidding me to go to church is not going to work for me. No. Because that's something that I value. So, you know, in the course, we talk about common core values. And we really, like, work on developing the relationship before we get to things that are hard to negotiate. Because there has to be trust there. There has to be... uh a common core values. There has to be an understanding for it's, I think it's naive to think that you won't change. And that's just me being totally honest. It's yeah. naive to, for me, for me to think, and this is what I thought in the beginning to say things will never change. Of course they're going to change. Um, as time goes on, as, as your ideas evolve, as your kids get older, things change. And that's one that's something that we always said in the mission is the only thing that's certain is change. And I I think that you can say similar things about the marriage. So I think that that would be my advice is, you know, you really work on your work on your relationship, work on your trust building, work on what you both value and what you have in common, and then go from there and see and see where it takes you. Because putting a hard stop and saying, I will not change, that's not going to work. That won't work for the future. Is there any part of you that has changed just to say, I just don't want to, I'm just resigning. I don't want to put up the fight. I don't want to put up the fight here. So am I asking that clear enough? Like, sure. you know, to preserve, like, I, do, I really don't want him drinking coffee in the house, but to preserve to avoid fighting, just let's let it happen. Is there I any think of that resignation you, or is there true? Well, like, I understand, I get it. But if or I, is that, I think it's a, I think it's both, right? I think there are definitely things that I'm just like, whatever I'm, I'm, but when you get to that point, it's because you have a certain level of trust, right? right? Like right. I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put my foot down on alcohol. If I, 
if if I feel like there is a trust issue. Like if, there, if there's a trust, I would be certain you are not having that in my house. And this is really, really important for those that are transitioning to here. Yeah. That I think the reason why alcohol is not a problem for us is because you mentioned the modeling of good behavior. It's on the transitioner to really have patience and show that you can be trusted. The, the change that is happening to you is not voluntary. You're not asking for it to happen, but it is happening to you. Your spouse is along for the ride. They feel truly out of control. They're on a roller coaster with no seatbelt, with no shoulder restraint. And that's scary. And so understand that, that you as a transitioner are going through so much and it's so hard, but it's happening to you. And your spouse is, is an innocent bystander that is experiencing some collateral damage. Right. So in general, and this is not just us, we, you know, speaking with Natasha Helfer, who we do our course with, she, she recommends this as well in general, especially at the beginning, uh, more of the weight is on the transitioner to to ease into some of these changes that are happening to them, some of the behavioral changes. It's been a two-plus-year journey with alcohol to really show that this is not a problem. Like, right. When was the last time I even had anything? It's been um, since May, and there was one drink, and I, I hated it. I don't know. Anyway, I, so I, just model that good behavior. So and we don't, this is not us going down the, this isn't supposed to be like an alcohol and that, that's not what this episode is. I, I should, probably shouldn't have used that example, but what about those who have broken their trust already? Mm, yeah. What, what happens for those couples who on either side have either one gone to the bishop and talked about what's happening in their marriage without the other one's consent or knowledge, or on the other side has done something that has caused the a break in that trust. What do they do? The trust has to be earned back. And I think that's my, my alarm bell goes off to say, get a therapist. Yeah. Especially if it's trust. I mean, there's a spectrum of trust. There's a, you didn't tell me you cursed and I heard you curse on the phone. And then there's a, you didn't tell me you were seeing a prostitute. And there's a big spectrum of trust breaking. But trust being an issue in your marriage, uh, likely you need to to get, get a therapist and really talk through things. 100%. That is exactly what you need to do. If you feel like your trust has been broken because something was kept from you, you need to go see a therapist to work through that because it has to be rebuilt. Yeah. And I mean, clearly, you're not going to be able to work through other things in your marriage if you have not started that repair attempt with right. your spouse. This has been about a 14-minute tangent which yes. was important because i i feel like it, it was needed for I sure think, i think so too you know um this last sunday we had every intention of getting up and going to church and we slept in late and by the time we realized it, it was too late but alan i was really appreciative he took the dog out for a walk and then i received a text message from him and he said hey by the way i got this i got this link from the elders quorum president and you can watch church live through the church website and it's all set up and if you would like to do that go ahead and do that and so i jumped on and sacrament had just ended and 
uh, they had passed the sacrament anyway. And it was so awesome because it was these two return missionaries who I had called to be team teachers. They were cousins, team teachers uh, in our in our ward and they taught the 11 year old boys and it was them reporting on their mission. And I was just so, I actually really enjoyed listening to it. And I was very, um, appreciative that Alan would send something like he knew it was the platinum rule. He knew it was something that I wanted to do and something that would mean something to me. And so he sent it and I was able to watch. And then afterward, we did an activity with my kids where we wrote letters to my own sister who's on a mission and put together a care package for her. And so things I, I like we're in the, at this point in our marriage where it, it's not threatening for him to send me those links because he knows it's going to be valuable to me. Yeah. He knows it's something that I want to do. And he's out walking the dog. And what what hurt? What hurt comes from that? And I think in on the other side, I mean, I trust him. And obviously, he trusts me to enjoy what I'm going to enjoy. I think the only way that that's possible to get to that place is if both spouses no longer feel that the church is a threat to the relationship. I can send Katie all sorts of stuff that I, that I believe she'll find valuable, even if I don't agree with it. If I don't believe the church is a threat, I no longer believe the church is a threat in our relationship. So I have no problem doing that. Yeah. This Saturday with, with the relief society general session, I've volunteered, like I'll take the kids somewhere. If you want to stay home and watch it here, if that's something you want to do alone, if you want to go out with someone and watch it at their place or go live, whatever you want to do, don't you don't have to worry about it. And because that's not a threat anymore. And so we talked about this last conference because I know a lot of you will get invited over to your family members' homes to watch conference together, to go to Relief Society together and watch. And that can be extremely tender for both of you. And so you know, I, I think that we need to talk about what, what your limits are and knowing your limits. Again, this goes back to clear, clarifying what you want and you're being intentional about it, but there are limits and likely Alan, a year ago, could you have sat through a, a general conference with, with, you know, fully active believing family members and watch the whole thing without, saying anything or getting visibly upset. Well, I mean, we did that. <laughs> My mom was here a couple of, I don't know how long it's been, three or four conferences ago. And it was when you were texting with yeah, your Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I had to leave the room a few times. I remember freaking out when they did the sustaining vote because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to raise my hand, but I don't want my mom to know I'm not going to raise my hand. So I like left the room at that exact moment. It was just a mess. It was really difficult. So there's a lot of mental gymnastics that go, that happens when you do that. Uh, you know, just like anything you can, you have a couple of choices. You can go out of town. You can avoid it. You can set boundaries. You can say, I'm not coming to that. We'll come after we'll come in between sessions. We'll come after the session. Uh, there, there are limits to what you can do. And I think that knowing your limits is part of self-care. Right. So if you, if you know what your boundaries are and maybe sometimes you don't even know you're going to react the way you're going to react. So again, we go going back to the first of the, of, uh, what we were talking about, taking a time out, leaving the room, going for a walk, 
writing down your feelings, crying. I mean, there are, there are physical manifestations of what your limit, what that mental um, gymnastics can do for you physically. Mm-hmm. There just are some, some people just respond differently. I respond to stress in a way that I just get quiet and I, and I do the silent treatment. I have a really hard time expressing myself. I just keep it all in. And then usually it's a volcano coming out, usually Alan, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we've learned how to deal with those a little bit, um, better, but shifting gears a little bit, I think, Alan, you've been going through your own type of physical stress. So um, kind of brings us to our the last thing that we wanted to talk yeah. about. Yeah, it's more. I think it's more of an emotional stress manifesting itself physically. Um, yeah, this is this is an important one and one that is probably going to be hard to talk about, but that's what we do here. <laughs> So yeah, it was just a few days ago. Um, I think we've talked about in the podcast before that my knees have been bad over the last year. I had surgery last summer. One of my knees has really been hurting me, and and I uh, I've had it drained last week and everything. Um, because of that hurt knee, I've I've been favoring how I walk. I've been walking a little crooked, and that's been hurting my back. On Saturday, uh, I, my back just started killing me all of a sudden just really started to hurt and i i mean i couldn't sit straight i couldn't lay straight we had some friends over and i was you know we were playing among us which is so fun in a group setting and i was like lying on the ground um trying to play not trying to complain they didn't i mean i think i said i didn't really hurting, even know at that point i didn't really say much i was just trying to you know get over it and but it would not it would not get better sunday it just got worse and, you know, we had our workshop and as soon as our workshop ended, you know, we're in a zoom meeting with 25 couples. As soon as the workshop, 27 ended, couples, 27, <laughs> as soon as the workshop ended, we closed the zoom meeting and I just broke down. Like I had been, I had been happy, putting on a happy face, especially on that zoom meeting. And then I just lost it. And my entire body just said, stop it. You need to stop it. You're taking in too much. Okay, what what exactly do you mean by you're taking in too much? So, I mean, some of what Katie and I do, a large part of what Katie and I do is we talk to a lot of a lot of couples. We talk to a lot of people. I get a lot of people reaching out, and um, there's there's almost there's only so much you can give. So that was part of it. Um, I also, you know, I engaged in a lot of conversations, uh, whether it's online or if people reach out to me, um, a couple weeks ago, someone in the neighborhood who is an active member of the ward reached out and we on Marco Polo went back and forth about doctrinal issues. I haven't done that in quite a while. So that was part of it. Someone from our previous ward in Springville reached out and really let me have it calling me to repentance on Saturday. And I engaged in that conversation and I usually would like, Ooh, this will be a fun little intellectual exercise. I used to like treat it as a challenge and like, Hey, this is good. So that's how I treated it this time as well. Um, I mean, if you get onto Facebook, anybody, and you look at your Facebook feed, you've got polarization everywhere, 
whether it's about masks or Black Lives Matter or Trump versus Biden or the church, whatever it may be, there's just there's so much division. And again, up until Saturday, for me, it was like, no, I want to be informed. I want to know what people think. It's good to have different opinions. I purposefully don't remove people from my friends list just because they believe differently. As long as they're not harassing me, I'm not going to block anybody. Like, And I still believe that. But on Saturday, and, and especially Sunday, I, it, I, something snapped in my brain. And I said, enough. I can't do this. I can't do it. And I deleted Facebook. And again, this is just where I'm at right now. I don't know if, I mean, it'll change. I, I, I don't know that this is like a permanent thing, but, but my body was just saying, stop it. I stopped, like I, I stopped drinking caffeine. That was just something that repulsed me. Like all of a sudden my body is finally telling myself to quit some, some things to get itself right. And like, that's just what I have to do. Um, focus on one thing at a time. This morning I got up with the, with the kids and usually I would throw my headset in and listen to music or a podcast while I'm getting them ready for school. But today it was like, no, I just, I don't want to fill my head with anything. I just want to be where I'm at, at that moment and just see how my body responds over time. Um, I think that probably some of the stress as well has come from the fact that we've been talking a lot about Zara's baptism. Mm. And about a week ago we met with our um, state presidency member and it wasn't positive. It, I, I think um, it was positive in a way that I was able to say a lot of the things that I was thinking and feeling. Uh, and I was able to voice my concerns and, you know, one of those concerns I have is, look, for the next, you know, however long you're going to be the the, the stake president, uh, we, we're going to have to find a way to work through these things because it's inevitable that we're going to constantly have these discussions about the kids. And it was a very positive thing for me. I was able to, to voice what I wanted to, but it was not positive for Alan. And I think one of the also challenges that we have is that because we are very open, extremely open about where we are and who we are, we are always trying to build bridges, you know, with the bishop, with the stake presidency, with ward members. We're constantly trying to be in that space of building bridges. And it is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. And, you know, sometimes there are great outcomes and most of the time there are not. And so as much as we want to try and change from within, it is a daunting and very difficult task. And, you know, I hope that people would respect Alan enough to know at least he's trying, at least he knows where he is and what he wants to do. But that has been weighing extremely heavy um, on him and on and on me as well, right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even realize it. Like my own body had to tell my brain, "This isn't working for you." And one of the first things when Katie, you know, when I tied it all together and kind of let her know, like this is just too much. Like this isn't just my back hurting. She asked, 
what, what, what needs to change here? And one of the very first things that I said was I'm done trying. I, I don't want to keep going back to the Bishop and stake president, having these conversations about a baptism that I don't really care about. I love my daughter. I want to support her. I love you. I want to support you. I will make sure that this day is great for you guys, but I don't, I don't want to pl- go jump through those hoops anymore. Like I just need to be done with it. And we haven't really defined what that means. Does that mean I refuse to meet with them? Does that mean just temporarily this is what I need to do and not really engage? Well, I don't really know. Like this, removing my name from the records of the church and just saying, this is it. I'm done. That I mean, all of these things are kind of on the table. It's for now, we're just saying, just take a break. You know, take a break. You don't need to. You don't need to have these conversations anymore. You say take a break, and all I can think of is Hamilton lyrics. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's exactly One right. Of my favorite things about you. <laughs> that's when right. You make Hamilton. My, ha- my love for Hamilton. You know, and Alan has said, I mean, in the past, when he had these like heart palpitations, when he had anxiety attacks, it was all because he had this buildup of, of, just faith transition things that were happening that he didn't he didn't talk to me about and now we're seeing his mental health um affect him physically again and this this the i mean this happened you know 3 years ago and now it's happening again and i think we most almost immediately said i think it's tied to your mental health so for all of you who are wondering well what does that mean <laughs> Are you stopping the podcast? So Ellen and I talked about what what is it that replenishes us and what is it that depletes us, as my friend so wisely put it. Right. And we've decided that... We're, we're stopped. This is the last no, episode. No, no, oh. no. We, we've decided that, you know, the I think that the actual recording of the episodes is awesome. This is really helpful for me personally. I actually really like it. So the episodes and won't go away, but, and, you know, we have, we're in our third workshop group and those are growing great and we're going to finish that group out and it'll be great. But something that uh, we can drop that is just much, a lot is um, for now we have awesome moderators who will be taking the time to do uh, the moderating in the Facebook group. And that will continue. So Facebook will still going, but we will not be as present as we used to. We are going to step away from social media and take a break with that. This is not us saying, stop calling us, stop texting us, stop emailing us. That's not it at all. Um, This is us saying that we're going to take a break and it may be a while before we get back to you. It's, I think it's just really draining, you know, dealing with people who are in constant crisis. And so it's, it's at the time now where we need to, um, just focus on our own health and our own family. And we're going to just figure out a way to do that. Yep. (sighs) You feel, you feel better already. Oh yeah, everything's my back. It's healed. It's a miracle. Alan hasn't taken um, any time off of work since last December. He really, we took a couple of days off here and there to go to California in August, but really, there hasn't been any time taken off since December. So I think it's he's overdue for some some time off and just refocus our energy and and you know 
what, what we want moving forward. Because you guys, honestly, we have spent three years. It's been almost three years, which is crazy to me, but we've spent almost three years like pouring our heart into soul and soul into other people. And we've, we've had breaks on and off and we get burnt out. And, and I think that now we've, we've really proud that we've been able to put so much of our, our pain in to good use, right. To help other people. But you know, when you get to the point where you think I'm, I'm healed, I have sufficiently healed. And maybe the, maybe there's a next chapter, maybe there's something else that we need to move along with that. I think that we're both feeling that. And we watched the social dilemma last night with our kids. And let me tell you, it was just so timely because this is 100% how um, we're feeling. And so we both deleted all of our, all of our social media accounts and uh, decided that we just, there are other things that are more important right now. So I hope you can understand and you can feel that we still love you guys. We'll still be here for you, but um, we're going to take some mental health time. (laughs) Take some mental health days. Does marriage on a tightrope give time off? Do, do we have? Like, I don't know. Have we listeners? PTO? Have you? Have you, you want to donate to our PTO time? <laughs> <laughs> See if your work will transfer some PTO to ours. <laughs> no, and just know mm. that's the whole point of this conversation. Is it's not a pity us. It's it is truly back to you of know your limits. What is your brain telling you? What is your body telling you? Um, I, you know, I won't get into a whole other topic with masculinity, but something that I've recognized, I don't think anyone would describe me as a manly man. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a, (laughs) I'm not a camper. You do have a beard. I do have a beard. I've got that going for me. I do have male pattern baldness. That also helps. (laughs) Uh, But I'm not a manly man, but I have noticed in the last few days, like I don't like being a burden on Katie and like I don't I don't like admitting like I'm very frail right now and I need some support like that I want to be the rock I want to, not Dwayne Johnson that wouldn't hurt but I don't, I want to be a the the hard place that Katie can lean against and right now I just am trying to accept that she, you're fine with me leaning on you and that's that's what I need to do. Like, that's what our marriage is. Sometimes one spouse leans on the other. So, uh, and you've been awesome with making it clear that you, you are fully capable of doing that. I am fully capable and willing to, to do that. And I'm a fixer. So that probably drives Alan cuckoo, but, um, I, I do like to fix the problems that are happening and, I mean, I'm feminist enough to, <laughs> to say, like, I got you. I got this. I can do it. Good. That's great. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Marriage in a Tightrope. Um, again, like Katie said, we this does not mean stop trying to talk to us. So send us an email. We'll get back when we can, when we feel like we can. Uh, Marriageinatightrope at gmail.com. The Facebook group is not going away. We just likely won't be in it for a little bit. But join that if you need that support. Um, know your limits and what support you need. So go get it. And did you know in the Facebook group, there is a mentor program. That's right. We're just now the moderators are so great. So thank you to the moderators. We won't even try to name them all because we'll forget, but they, 
Katie let them know about what's going on right now, and they all just said, don't even worry about it. You know, what else can we do to help support? Let's, sorry, this dog is making so much noise without even making noise, <laughs> dropping my phone and whacking his tail and everything. So they, they were like, hey, let's, let's revamp this mentorship program where you can actually, we're going to have some mentors where if you need to just talk to somebody who's been in this for a while, who maybe you can learn from, you can apply in that mentorship program and just have a conversation. It's just a free service. It's nothing, nothing crazy when, when it comes to, it's not counseling or therapy. It's just talking to someone that has been through it and asking some questions. So a huge, huge thank you to all of our, all of our moderators um, of the Facebook group, because they are much more than just moderating a group of people. They, they really are amazing people that are looking out for the best interests of everyone else that is in this situation. And if you would like to be a moderator and we haven't asked you, please like let one of our moderators know, you know, they bear a lot of the burden too on with um, Facebook and, and everything. So again, help us help you <laughs> but we love you guys and um hope this wasn't too much of a downer episode um i think that we just decided we wanted to record when and be super open and honest with you because that's who we are and we've 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 been really feeling this lately and um anyway we really appreciate and love all of you and I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have so many people supporting us. So, yes, thank you for all that you do, and we'll chat soon. We're gonna see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't wanna leave, cause if change is what you need, you can change right next to me. When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go